The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Podcast. Welcome to the Free Speech Coalition's podcast. My name is Jordan Williams, and today we have two guests on the podcast, two people that have uh, turned into champions of free speech unwittingly by being labelled hate speakers, um, and in one case, even being reported to the police by a city council. The first guest is Reynold McPherson, who was the secretary of the Rotorua Lakes District Residents and Ratepayers Association. In the studio, I have with me Dr. Don Brash, who, of course, was banned by Massey University for speaking on the or attempting to speak on the campus last year. Uh, first, though, is Reynold. Why don't you tell us what precisely has happened? The uh, 2016 election, um, we had uh, six endorsed candidates. Uh, two were elected, and the other four came very close to being elected. And we caused a swing for most candidates between 20 and 30% against incumbents. So this year, the uh, RDRR endorsed me as the ma- uh, mayoral candidate. And on the 14th of May, I posted an evaluation of the performance of Councillor Tapsell entitled, Beware the Charismatic Pitch of the Pied Piper. And of course, it was an analogy about the Pied Piper's magic flute, meaning charismatic politics. And I analysed how she came to power, stayed in power, and how she now has just appealed through a video to extend her power. So it was a performance evaluation. The media have been reporting that Rotorua Lakes District Council have reported you to the police for hate speech. How did that come about? Well, um, it was alleged by Councillor Tapsell in an interview she had with Sean Plunkett that uh, this incitement to violence and so on was part of a pattern going back over five years. And she cited a case where a person had confronted a council in the car park and that four or five years ago there had been some white powder posted to council. We know nothing about that and we regard that as a spurious justification for taking the steps they did. Um, they have, having discussed that background, they then instructed the chief executive to lodge a complaint for hate speech with the, um, with the local police. And you're sure that your group had nothing to do with these events the councils referred to from a few years ago? Absolutely. So why do you think the council committee has reported you to the police? Well, it appears to have. Um, it appears to me that the strategy, policy, and finance committee used the occasion um, of my post, and by recalling this this uh, supposed history. Um, they were able in their minds to justify a political intervention using the uh, police to suppress um, or have my post withdrawn. Um, So I I see it simply as uh, rather foolish politics because hate crime, uh, sorry, hate speech has got to actually um, attack a person or a group on the basis of their race, religion, ethnic or natural origin or their gender, disability or sexual orientation. And it's got to be likely to incite violence or prejudice. When I went back and read my post, I found there was not a word or a phrase that satisfied that definition of hate speech. 
So therefore, the only conclusion I come to is that this is uh, an attempt to politicise or use the police to suppress a political opponent. And um, the the two articles in the stuff by Ben Bathgate on the 25th of May and Sean Plunkett's interview of Councillor Tapsall addressed precisely these questions and destroyed any basis for a claim of hate speech. So once again, we're left with the prospect that uh, this is simply politics. And have the police contacted you? Not at all. No, and I don't expect they will. They have no role to play in politics. Very good. Well, thanks for that's all the time we've got um, today. But thank you so much, Reynold, for joining us. You're welcome. And listening to that was the former Governor of Reserve Bank, former Leader of the Opposition, Dr Don Brash. Welcome to the show, Don. Thank you very much. How do you think this new example compares to the attempts to stop you speaking at Massey or alleging that your proposed speech was hate speech? Well, it certainly sounds quite uh, pathetic in its nature. Uh, I have to say, though, that I'm moderately optimistic about the free speech issue. And that's partly, of course, because of the good work which the Free Speech Coalition itself has done. Uh, I will recall when uh, I was contacted on Sunday afternoon and asked, did I think it would be possible to raise $5,000 within 24 hours uh, to get the Free Speech Coalition off the ground? And, of course, a lot more than that was raised over a week. And I think the reaction of a large number of people suggests that there's a strong willingness to defend free speech right across the political spectrum. Don, remind us where we were at with the Massey issue. Didn't they re-invite you on to the campus or, uh, and you spoke at either Auckland or was it Massey, Auckland? Uh, no, I was invited to speak at Massey originally, of course, in early August. The day before I was due to speak, I was advised that I was no longer welcome on the campus. The Vice-Chancellor, as you recall, said there was a security issue. I might pose a risk to myself or others by attending uh, but it was very clear from the moment that she issued a press statement, the vice chancellor issued a press statement, that security was not the fundamental issue at all. Uh, indeed, she had not discussed it with university security staff, not discussed the issue with the police. Uh, this was a pretext for banning me from speaking there on the grounds that I might say something which would offend some of her staff, particularly her Maori staff. Um, some time later, when uh, emails exchanges were revealed under the OIA, it was very clear that she had been planning to block this one way or another for quite some time. Uh, subsequently, when she was challenged on this after the ban, uh, she claimed that I, in fact, had never been banned from Massey University. I've seen a text, an email message from her to that effect. Uh, but I was subsequently invited to speak. I did speak there uh, several weeks later, I think it was a couple of months later, in fact, uh, at Massey campus. And of course, whereas I might have expected perhaps 20 or 30 people to hear me talk about my time in politics, which is what I've been asked to talk about, in fact, I had a crowded hall and, and she did me a favour in a sense. So the sp- second speech, the one you subsequently gave, was related more to your time in politics. What was the original speech about? Was that more an Arewa style speech? There was no particular speech at all. In fact, uh, what the Vice-Chancellor had been offended by was the fact that uh, as a co-spokesman of Hobson's Pledge, an organisation um, which has been arguing for equal political rights for everybody, 
we had made an issue of the fact that Palmerston North District, or city perhaps that may be, had voted to establish separate Maori wards in Palmerston North, and again the same thing happened in Manawatu, and we campaigned vigorously against that in Palmerston North, and that's what offended her. She felt this was anti-Maori in some ways, and of course it was not anything of the kind, but she used that as an excuse for the ban. So it was related to a local referendum or some sort of petition? Well, the District Council voted to establish Maori wards. The law provides that if 5% or more of ratepayers request a referendum on that issue, there must be such a referendum, and we helped local people in the, on the ground to get those signatures in place so the referendum would be held. And the referendum was held, and the uh, creation of Maori wards was thrown out. So this sounds, this equality of citizenship sounds very similar to messages you delivered in the 2004 Oriwa speech, this equality of citizenship theme. Back in 2004, do you recall this sort of allegation that this is hate speech and should be banned? Oh, I do. It was very clear. There was a very strong reaction. Um, The media generally dumped on the speech from a great height. The example I think of most vividly was the Sunday Star Times, which devoted their entire front cover, not just part of it, the entire front cover, to a photograph of me and a photograph of Pauline Hanson looking at each other across the page. The inference being that Pauline Hanson is racist and Don Brash is racist too. Um, So there was a strong uh, antagonism to the message I gave in that speech, but interestingly, and, and I think fortuitously, the amount of coverage the speech got gave it a lot of attention. And in fact, New Zealanders, not overwhelmingly, but a very large number of New Zealanders said, this is the message we want to hear. And of course, you may recall the Colmar Brunton poll uh, showed an increase in support for the National Party from something like 28, 29, I think, before the, percent, before the speech was given to uh, 48% a few weeks later. So people might have agreed with the views you were taking or advocating. But the allegation is that it's hateful. Yes, and of course that is absolutely nonsense. I reject that completely. It's indeed an allegation which has been made more recently by the Maori Council that we are in fact somehow anti-Maori and should be shut down. And they've appealed, of course, to the Human Rights Commission to uh, ensure that we are shut down. I frankly welcome that inquiry. I hope the Human Rights Commission does investigate Hobson's Pledge. And we find nothing in our platform or or in our uh, manifesto, if you like, which is anything other than we want a situation where every New Zealand citizen has the same political rights, irrespective of ethnicity, irrespective of when they or their ancestors came to New Zealand. Don, you're now seen as a champion of free speech and probably um, the person most people think of when they hear of the Free Speech Coalition because um, us coming about was about the time you were banned from Massey. Is this something you've been thrust into, or is it something you've always had an interest in? Uh, really, I've been thrust into it. I did give a speech on free speech maybe 18 months or so ago, and that was triggered in part, I think, by the fact that Paul Moon, history professor at AUT, organised a petition on the subject, which he got about 30 prominent New Zealanders to sign up to, committed, uh, committing support for free speech. And he got people from across the political spectrum, Brian Gould, Jeffrey Palmer, uh, Tariana Turia, Don Brash, etc. And that's what makes me moderately optimistic about this issue. There are people from both sides of the political, both ends of the political spectrum who are in favour of free speech. 
shortly after I was banned by Massey in August last year, uh, Matt Robson phoned me. Now, Matt Robson was, of course, an MP in the Alliance Party when I was in Parliament. And he rang me to say, Don, you and I disagree on almost every policy issue. But on this, we absolutely agree. Free speech is of fundamental importance. And, and uh, uh, he was strongly supportive of the, of the Free Speech Coalition. Do you think there is a risk of this turning into a right-left political issue? Uh, well, hopefully not, because again, you've got people like Chris Trotter on the left, Lindsay Perigo on the right. Uh, people from both sides of the spectrum regard this as an, a very important issue. And I was even heartened uh, recently by comments which Andrew Little made. I mean, he talked about the need to review our hate speech laws, and that sounds ominous to me. But I mean, in the article, he actually said controversial issues such as immigration policy or indigenous rights and reconciliation with the Treaty of Waitangi will continue to be the subject of public debate, and so they should. Now, I was very heartened by that comment, because those are the most contentious issues currently. Immigration, and who we allow into the country, and the treaty and its interpretation. Don, you're much less pessimistic than I am on these issues. The feeling is, though, that even prior to Christchurch, there was a lot more talk about banning this concept of hate speech. Why do you think that is? Uh, I'm not quite sure of the answer to that question. But, uh, I mean, as you say, there has been greater emphasis on on hate speech. You had the Green MP uh, complaining when, when David Seymour made a perfectly innocuous remark about her as being a minister of free speech. Um, so people, are particularly on, on the left, seem to be very sensitive to it, which is why I'm particularly heartened that people like Chris Trotter and Matt Robson have said uh, this is an important principle, we should defend it. Do you think it's a generational thing? I mean, from the point of view of the Free Speech Coalition, something we've really struggled to find are people on the left of a younger generation um, whereas, you know, to jump on board, you know, you're very solid. Um, the Chris Trotters of the world are very solid on this issue, but we can't find the leaders on the left of a younger generation that seem really willing um, to stand up what was a fundamental right. What? Why do you think this is? Uh, yes, it could be. Although I think one of your strong supporters was Melissa Darby, yeah, who is a PhD student, as I recall. So it's not just a, an younger, older issue. Um, and that, again, that gives me some heart. I mean, there are people who are relatively young who feel very strongly on this issue. And I think that's fantastic because it is a danger if we start saying what is hate speech and unacceptable, we're in very dangerous territory. So how do we convince the likes of Phil Goff that free speech matters, especially when it's protecting the rights of those to express views we don't necessarily agree with? Well, I think the Free Speech Coalition did a fantastic job by taking uh, legal action on that issue when he tried to, or purported to ban two Canadian speakers. Uh, I think he'll be more careful next time um, a speaker with whom he disagrees comes to Auckland. He won't be quite so ready to say, we don't like what you're saying, therefore you can't say it. And and finally, Don, how do you think we as an organisation and as a movement how do we re-establish free speech as a cornerstone in our society and our democracy? <laughs> How long have you got me to... Uh, can I have to answer that question? It's a tough one. I don't know the answer to the question, 
But I think it's important that those of us who do believe in free speech say so uh, frequently and loudly. I think that's the most important single thing to do, make it very clear that, uh, as lots of other people have said before, no matter how much I disagree with you, I, I defend to the death your right to say it. That's a very good point to leave it on. Thanks so much for joining us, Don. You can support Free Speech in New Zealand by visiting freespeechcoalition.nz and joining the cause. Thanks so much to tuning into our podcast.